This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning for what is your Twitter Tuesday edition of Locked On Browns. I'm going to take you through here, obviously, answer a bunch of your guys' questions. Uh, you know, 24 hours aftermath type of thing. Uh, obviously, your host, Jeff Lloyd. Uh, Pete Smith from Browns Maven through SI.com, your local experts on the biggest stories Cleveland Browns-wise for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, Pete, look, you know, what was an ugly day yesterday, you know, today it's, you know, whatever you want to believe from some certain NFL writers. Kareem Hunt, obviously that was not a pro Anything that's going on right now in Berea. Berea, uh, Pete, 24 hours removed from it. Um, Freddie Kitchens. I, I, this this is over. I, I don't see a way it, it can go beyond this season. There's just no way. And I think one of the biggest things was is Freddie the guy was great and cool when things were going good last year in the second half. And now where it's at now – and look, part of the situation is is this was a highly flammable situation that John Dorsey set up here. A lot of talent and whether or not John Dorsey thought this team was playoff bound, I think to the man in that locker room, they thought it was playoff bound. Now that that's out of the equation, you know, the bonfire's been lit and it's just kind of where we're at. Well, again, this whole thing for me comes down to, do I believe uh, Freddie Kitchens is the man to lead this team to the Super Bowl? And, uh, you know, I I don't see how in the next two weeks that's going to change my mind from saying no. Uh, So whether whether they're going to go that route or not, I still believe that's going to be entirely an equation of, their ability to sort of find one. I, I, I think uh, the Arizona game sort of greases the wheels as far as making it, you know, uh, more in Dorsey's interest to, to really go get out there and see what he can do uh, finding a coach. Um, but I, again, I, I really do think that's ultimately where this thing goes. I, I, you know, if you're asking me, can they run it back? Yeah, they can. Um, I don't know if that's beneficial, but uh, I, I just as much as the head coach is a problem, uh, and he is, I, I just think the, the idea that that's going to be the panacea for this team is dangerous because I, I think the issues go deeper than that, though that is a, a major one, and, a, and I think um, that's going to be – that would be a major thing solved. What I would caution people is with this is they're you know sort of uh, brandishing various proverbial weapons here. Is you know typically the move with this type of situation is you go with the opposite, and the opposite in this case, uh, if you believe that uh, Freddie Kitchens is you know cool breeze, uh, easy going players coach, is to go the super hard ass. Uh, disciplinarian type and there's one guy that stands out to me uh, that has a connection to John Dorsey and he has, has even been 
Paul Pernod, who's the Browns head coach in the past, that would fit that mold, uh, and that would be Jim Schwartz. Uh, and if you talk to, like, Jeff Risden or whatever, uh, you know, who was there for the Jim Schwartz era, uh, he would make the case that there's a place for someone like Jim Schwartz, given the situation that uh, they need, you know, that type of person to sort of get the, the players they have in line. Obviously, the, you know, potential stumbling block with that is, you know, I don't know how a Jim Schwartz type coach meshes with, you know, players like Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham uh, and, and whoever else in that, you know, I don't know if they're afraid of hard work or anything like that, but I, you know, I don't know if at the same time they're going to be comfortable with some of the things that, that Schwartz might demand of them. And I think what gets forgotten here is like when, you know, when we, we talk about like summer, Freddie was extremely conservative with some of those guys in terms of, you know, you know, resting them through injuries and some of the other things. And, you know, whether it's Landry and obviously Beckham with the, the sports hernia, that's, that's a little bit of a different equation, obviously. But, you know, they may get somebody who's going to hard-ass them through a lot more of those bumps and bruises uh, through those things, you know, in, in the quest to, you know, toughen this team up and stuff. So, I, again, I don't believe – Freddie Kitchens is the man to lead, lead this team to the Super Bowl, which is the only thing I'm really concerned about. Uh, and as a result, you know, be, I, I think it's prudent for them to look elsewhere. But I still believe that the Browns are operating from the standpoint if they can't, if they aren't convinced that they are going to get a better coach uh, than what they have right now, I don't think they're going to fire him for the sake of firing him. Uh, but there's the yin and the yang. There's continuing it for the sake of continuing it where, you know, again, I I feel every player in that locker room thought this team would be better. And look, I mean, other than some certain personalities on this team, these camp practices were essentially a, a crash test dummy type of camp. Um, look, I mean, I can understand protecting your skill. That's just, that's just a smart investment. So, you know, well, it's we'll see what plays out, but I mean, I agree with you. Do you does Freddie Kitchens give you the guy right now that could finally deliver a Lombardi? It's from what we've seen these last couple of weeks, and especially yesterday, and when Kareem Hunt tells you, "Look, I I, I don't think there's guys doing 110 percent of the effort." It definitely is a glaring, you know, eyes emoji of whoa, and that's something. You've got to take any heed. Obviously, we got a bunch of listener questions. So we'll get to the first one here. They got this whole ball tipped off today. Question uh, I'd love to hear, and this is I don't know what your ad is, but um, vote for BernieSanders.com. We're not getting anything political here. We will never do that. Um, was the Monken vertical passing scheme the correct scheme for Baker that was broken at? the foundation by the bad O tackle play, or was it never a fit for Baker? Do we double down with better tackles or run the O through Chubb? The offense has been run through Chubb guys. We've got to, we've told you this 
many, many times. And there's only so much you can do with a running back who's about to turn 24. But, Pete, I guess this is a question of the Monken, Freddie, in Baker. You know, was this okay? Uh, look, I think Baker Mayfield can play in any offense you want to draw up, uh, short of, you know, running, you know, some of the stuff to the market. Arizona or a Baltimore system. Well, yeah, or, or, or Buffalo or one of those. If you're saying we want to run a vertical scheme, I think Baker Mayfield's great for it. If you're saying we want to run more of a horizontal scheme, I think Baker's great for it. I think he is somebody you can put in just about any offense, and he's going to be more than equipped to be great. Um, look, the, the interior of the offensive line is always going to be critical because of Baker Mayfield's height. Um, uh, but I don't care what offense you're running. At, you know, tackles matter. Um, you know, it's gotten to the point now where, you know, they've done what they're they're doing in terms of trying to build the team, and it's now sort of the tackle's turn. And whether you think that's just about pass protection, is, you know, is whatever, uh, I would point to the run blocking of some of this stuff and, and how uh, hit or miss Greg Robinson is with that, and then Chris Hubbard getting, you know, driven off the ball so often. Kendall Lamb's nothing in that capacity either. So, like, really – you know, there were some plays where Greg Robinson did a nice job yesterday, but more their, their running guys are Treader and Batonio, and to a much lesser extent, though he has his moments, is Teller. Uh, if they had, you know, good tackles, let's just throw Trent Williams out there because that was one. Trent Williams is a phenomenal run blocker, uh, and he could allow you to do so many things in terms of your ability to run block. And if you've got mobile guys – um, as James Campen wants, you can wrap, you can pull, you can do all kinds of different things in terms of screen game. You know, I, I've seen so many times this season where, you know, Greg Robinson struggles on those smoke screen type things because he's just not really built to do that type of stuff. And if they could get out there and be more nimble on some of those blocks, it would open things up. So whether you want to think of tackles as, as a run blocking feature, you should, because that's where I think that would be the biggest advantage. But absolutely, pass protection uh, at tackle is still critical. The Browns need to address it. That's the uh, other than getting Baker Mayfield right um, relative to what he's capable of doing. Um, I think that is the issue you have to address. And I don't think Greg Robinson is a bad player. He's just not a great player, and he's going to be. You know, he would get paid like you'd want a great player to be. And since he's not doing that, it becomes really cost prohibitive. I mean, you look no further what he's making this year, which is, you know, between seven and $9 million, which isn't bad. But if that goes up, you know, if you're talking Nate Solder money, who's been awful this year, he's making $13 million. That's terrible. And the, short of quarterback and pass rusher and corner, you know, offensive tackle is in that mix where if you get a good one on a rookie contract, it's worth its weight in gold. It's like, you know, Miles Garrett and, and Baker Mayfield. Those those contracts and Denzel Ward, not as much, but still those contracts are worth a mint relative to what they allow this team to do on the salary cap. So getting those type of things under a rookie contract would be beyond ideal. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I, I think Baker Mayfield is, you can put him whatever you want, Tackles matter, and the Browns have to do better than that. They have to at least get good on one side. 
to the point where they can shift their protection favorably to the other side in cases where they need it. Um, so that's sort of where this is at. I, I you know, I, I don't think Greg Robinson will be back. It's not impossible that he will be back, but I have to think that short of, you know, you can't put it in pen, um, but the, the first pick of the draft in pencil is an offensive tackle. It, it, it just, first things first, you know, a draft guess will dictate, you know, to where, you know, the value is as to what you need. Um for all intents and purposes, I don't see any reason why Odell isn't back. Um, Odell and Jarvis, it, it literally, it seems, you know, that they're okay with being joined at the hip. Um, we'll get to Odell here and something here because there's some questions about whether or not he's going to get shut down. And <laughs> there's a certain magical number where I don't see Odell getting shut down. But you look at this tackle class and it stacks up. And if this turns out to be a seven and a nine season, and I'm never going to write up a game to be a loss, but, you know, next week looks ridiculously difficult there's no doubt about that then you look at this draft class and it's deep i mean this first round you're talking maybe what five six guys and if you're within you're gonna be within the top 20 you could conceivably be within the top 15 you know play the board as it comes to you and the value of the board and for right now it's looking really strong there and to put it in perspective, I mean, you know, if you could get, and look, I'm not going to compare any one of these kids to Joe Thomas, but if you could get somebody who could be your mainstay there, and now you look from left tackle, obviously Andrew Thomas, probably unattainable, but any one of these really promising young left tackles, Joe Batonio, J.C. Treader, Wyatt Teller, is continuously now as a starter, seems to be grading out pretty well. No lamb, who knows, uh, you know, maybe you could spend another pick there. There's more holes now than we originally thought. So maybe you're not double dipping on the offensive tackle class. It gives you a lamb. It gives you a Forbes. You can go out and, you know, Pete's always mentioned this name of Brian Balaga from Green Bay. We'll see how the money all works out. But there's ways to upgrade this offense. And, no, I, I have Baker, as rough as this year has been, it's – for me, it's it's still not the concern. Uh, you know, more of it is is getting the rest of it figured out as far as weapons. Uh, seeing Rashard Higgins on the sidelines yesterday with his gloves in his hands, not on his hands, and a guy who we had such a rapport with, it hurts because you know, if for me, it's almost to the point of well, why aren't they at least trying it to see if they can get it right? And look, he's gotten zero to any reps since New England. And we talked about it when we did that post-game show. As soon as Richard was on the field, what did Baker do? Where's 81? Where's 81? Boom, boom, boom. All right, it's fine. But, you know, fine. And, look, every quarterback loves that security blanket guy because people understand where's the coverage going to go to. It's going to go to your one. It's going to go to your two. Well, find that guy who does the dirty work. And they need that guy. It's not going to be 81. I mean, you read the writing on the wall and, you know, look, I, Rashard, he'd be a fool to come back uh, because from where it's all at. It, it, it's a mess. And I don't know necessarily, again, it's, it's not the system. It's the pieces. It's the ingredients. And it may be coming from top down because 
you know, everybody wants to come at me and Pete for, you know, what we think of what Steve Wilkes has done. This was never supposed to be about the defense. It was not. We were promised a top 10, Pete, a top five offense. And we're talking about a passing game. You know, you look at where it's at. We're talking about, you know, maybe Nick Chubb, 1,200 yards would have been a great season. But you're talking about you 4,500, if not more through the air. Uh, I mean, without getting specific into numbers, I mean, it is not it is not what it should be, period. Um, you know, that like Freddie Kitchens is out there toting uh, the fact that they're going to have, you know, they have the NFL's leading rusher. They have, you know, they're going to have 2,000-yard receivers, and all those things are true, and, and it's not – Clicking in the way it should. I mean, and some of the statistics he, he, he's rattling off are sort of mind-boggling in how sad the Browns are in terms of like results. Because like he wasn't wrong. They, they didn't punt like at all, and they moved the ball and all these things, and it just isn't translating. So there are just little little things that aren't clicking in the way they should, and and, and there's pieces that are missing. Um, but yeah, I mean, look the. I would concede or however you want to describe it. I would agree with the notion that the, and it's not Todd Munkin, it's, you know, it's not his offense necessarily, but uh, that Arians tree, A, puts the tackles on an island quite a bit, and B, puts your quarterback in a position to get hit quite a bit. Um, and both of those things have been true of this season. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, for their what they were trying to do, you can certainly make the case that they they didn't have maybe the, the ideal personnel. But I don't think, uh, like yesterday, I don't think pass protection was their issue. Uh, it was certainly not. Yeah, I mean the only, you know, Chandler Jones is phenomenal, but the only play he made was that one where I'm assuming the ball was held too long when uh, Demetrius Harris was blocking him and then released into a route to where he got. Did the you say block? Is he block? Eh, I don't know yeah, if anybody blocked him, but go ahead. <laughs> had on the ass. Um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely a, a question worth investigating. But again, I don't think necessarily um, that's the same problem. Do, I think Baker Mayfield is always going to be better suited in, in an offense that gets him to be able to hit receivers on the move and maximize run at run after catch. Now, given the way he's played, um, that wouldn't have been very good at different points this year. And I don't think the Browns have done very well in those type of things, but I still believe based on what he's capable of, based on how quickly he can operate, that that's sort of where they're at their best um, in, in theory anyway. So whether, you know, they keep this coaching staff for another one, that will be certainly something worth looking at. Oh, there's no doubt. And maybe last year, yes, it, it may have not been the talented cast he had around him, but I think there was a little bit more consistency this year. It seemed there was a lot more moving parts. We'll get to more here on Locked on Browns on Twitter Tuesday with Jeff Lloyd and Pete Smith. Spotify and the whole rap thing, guys. Uh, if you're a Spotify listener, uh, here's the thing. Uh, tag the show. Tag me. Tag Zabo Apparel. Show me how much time you spent with Pete and I this year. Uh, maybe you don't want to admit this to your friends, but on social media you can do that. 
Uh, highest numbers we see is able apparel. It's going to allow us to give some uh, gear away, some tees away. So let me know. I, I want to see. Tag us. Let us know how much time you've been here with us. Hook you guys up with some nice gifts. A uh, little, uh, you know, Santy freaking claws from the guys over at Locked On Browns. Okay, we got more. Tons of listener questions. Is in. Thankfully, most everybody's not, you know, jumping out of a tree at this point, which is good, guys. Um, Giovanni Raviz, always get to you, buddy, because I always appreciate the support. Um, defensive tackle, look, um, and he's essentially asking about how big of a need it is. Here is part of the issue. I mean, Pete, we finished the 18 draft. We sat down a day or two afterwards after assessing all the prospect the Browns had acquired. And we said, where are the glaring holes? And I still remember you to this day. Defensive tackle. It's barren. And here we are now. And it's still the case. And look, you know, Miles, freakish thing in the world. Olivier Vernon, yeah, he did come with a bit of injury history. Sheldon Richardson was playing rock solid as a, as a defensive tackle. But now he's got to go play D-tackle. Uh, look, Larry Ogunjobi. Um, if you believe this whole thing that John Dorsey is not really going to retain players that were brought in, or, or I'm sorry, drafted by Sashi Brown, maybe his days are numbered. But the point, you just don't have enough, Pete, and you can't expect pra- practice squad guys, street free agents, to come in here and give you meaningful reps. And that's what you saw yesterday, and there's no cohesion in playing against a system like that, it's similar to college football where you go play like the service academies or what Georgia Tech used to be, where everybody's got their assignment. You can't fray for it for one second. It's it's a big need, A, because you need to find somebody who's most likely going to fill Larry's shoes, which Pete and I wouldn't do it. We'd love to keep Larry around. Don't know where that, you know, how this all works out, Browns front office-wise. But it's a big freaking need. And unless it's a Danny Shelton or, you know, guys that you know all the names that we told you that should be here. But unless they sign one of those guys, yeah, it's a pretty eminent draft need. And it may be important, more important than drafting a second offensive tackle. Yeah, so look, I mean, you got to the preseason, you were sitting there going, oh, maybe Deborah Lawrence can do it. He couldn't. Daniel Quale can't do it. Eli Anku can't do it. Um, they've got some other bodies they're throwing in there. And obviously, it was not expected that Sheldon Richardson would have to play so much defensive end. But my thought process with uh, the defensive tackle situation, and specifically Larry Ongajoli, was I think you needed to get a nose to sort of uh, supplement what he does and essentially aim it. So, you know, using Danny Shelton as an example, who's had a really good year for the Patriots uh, and has done more pass rushing than he's ever done. Um, I always looked at it as, look, you, uh, you know, you're trying to get like 40, 40, 30 to 40% of your, your time you want subs to be playing in there. And to his credit, I think Tosh Lapoy's done a really nice job with that. So on more obvious running situations, you could put a big old clogger in there. You know, if it's 
uh, you know, Shelton, it, Mike Pinnell, one of those guys, or if they go and draft somebody like that. Um, obviously, the Ravens uh, went and got the, the big dude from Texas A&M, who I really liked. I think he got hurt. Um, if you do that for the, the – Mac, right? Uh, Mac? Yeah, Del- Delvin Mac, I think. Um, if you played, like, running downs and said um, – Look, we, we want this guy to be in there to clog up running lanes and just shut it down. And then on anything that's sort of like a, a, either an obvious passing situation or those sort of, you know, cleaner situations that could be anything, you put Larry Ogunjobi on the field and you're hopefully getting his best and you have somebody specializing as that run gap clogger. And to me, I still think that's the answer because Larry Ogunjobi can do some really good things when it com- comes to creating pressure and, and getting upfield. But I, I do, that's just one of those positions where I think you have to be able to supplement um, with, with more players. And, I, you know, I, the three technique is, is obviously a huge position and, and you, you need to have more guys there and not getting anything out of that position uh, has been a massive problem. And right. I mean, we did call this and, and, it was an issue all the way up. And that's why we were, you know, obviously hopeful they could get Gerald McCoy. And then it was Mike Daniels, who has had, I think, has hurt basically every uh, muscle group on his body in his year in Detroit. But, <laughs> you know, it was guys like Michael Dogbay. It was guys, you know, like Kalen uh, Zondi, with more of a nose, but nevertheless, it was just these athletic bodies that look like they could supplement those positions and they ultimately didn't take them and that's sort of where we still find ourselves and now you know edge is a bigger concern because obviously they they, they don't have Emmanuel Otto anymore they don't have Gennard Avery anymore uh and and Chris you know it, it, I, I don't know if people are still trying to talk themselves into Chad Thomas at this point um, no, please God, I hope not. I I don't know how anyone can come away from this season going, you know, Chad Thomas has 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 stabilized that position. He's he seems to have one flash a game, and then just every other play he's on there is just incredibly mediocre. But the 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 depth along the defensive line is is a critical area of need that needs to continue to be addressed. Um, I hope they take it more seriously than they did last year. Um, I bet the problem they run into is uh, uh, they just don't have very many draft picks. So it, it would seem more likely that they'll have to try to do some with the cost-effective free agent signings, which they did with the offensive line depth, but they didn't do with the defensive line depth, which I always found perplexing, um, but absolutely a massive problem on this team. Well, and a couple of things that's gotten maybe Freddie Freddie Kitchens in the situation he is, is you know what they did at the offensive line. It ended up essentially not working. Um, look, Kendall Lamb's injury obviously didn't help. Um, but you, you tried to throw so much at right guard, and then you still had to go address it late in the summer. Um, but there were defensive tackles that certainly would have worked on the cheap. It was just never a move they thought. Whether they overvalued what they had, who knows? But look, it, it, you know, and even still, look, Sheldon Richardson ain't getting any younger. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, like I said, you know, you don't see whether or not he is going to continue to be around here. 
Um, because when he gets to the point where it's the market, and if they can't value Joe Schobert enough, you don't see any way they're going to value Larry Ogunjobi. I mean, Larry Ogunjobi enough. It's it's a mess, and it, you know some of that stuff's got to be addressed, and they got to figure it all out. From Danny Hughes, should the Browns shut down Odell for the remainder due to his injuries? Look, the recovery period for a sports hernia, it's if you have the surgery, it's not that long. Look, Odell is at 910 yards receiving, uh, two games to go. And he's already said, you know, if 80's playing, I'm playing. Pete, look, you know, even in a lost season, any wide receiver knows, you know, and even still, 1,000 yards, that means 62.5 per contest. Odell ain't going nowhere until he's got that 1,000-yard markup. Well, I... It, it, it's not fun what he's dealing with, but it, it, it's not something that's going to get worse either. So it's not a deal where, you know, playing Odell Beckham these last two games is dangerous um, or, or risk some further injury. It's entirely pain tolerance and, you know, effectiveness. And, you know, obviously he's not 100%. I don't, I don't think he's very close to 100%. but. Uh, He's better than you know. He he, he is better than uh, the alternative of not playing him, despite the fact he's got more drops than I think he's had in any any season in his career, um, and all the other things that are going on. Um, I, I think you have to. I think you ride this out. You keep playing, and you know, obviously you're going to hope you can, you know, find a way to beat beat the Ravens. You're going to you know play the Bengals again. I don't think. You know, basically folding up shop does any anyone any good. Uh, the only guy that I, at least right this second, who I would shut down would be Olivier Vernon. Um, I don't think that situation gets better by leaving him out there and can, or trying to get him back. Um, but in general, you have to decide what this season is. If you're saying, well, they're six and eight, and they're their chances of making the playoffs are infinitesimal. So let's go ahead and just sort of bag it uh, and, and move on. I, I just don't know if that sends the message you want to send with what you're trying to do with this roster. You, you know, and, 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 you know, again, this is one of those situations where even if you believe he's, you know, he's a dead man walking, um, he's not wrong in the fact that getting reps in tight games and, and experience against, these teams as a team is going to be beneficial. So again, unless it's dangerous for Odell Beckham to play, I, I don't see harm in playing him. And I know that's, there's no risk in that. I think if there was, they would have done this already. Uh, and I do think there is some element of Odell Beckham doesn't want to be shut down. Um, and I don't think you, you want to take that situation and make it worse by doing that. Um, I think they're going to – I think it's fine to, to keep it going and see if they can't get some productivity out of that combination before the end of the year. And, and, and you know, so much of this is evaluation at all times uh, in terms of what they want to do. And, you know, as the head coach or the GM, you may be trying to sell this head coaching job to other teams, and he's part of it. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, is, you know, look, I mean – Odell's was shut down two years ago with a broken ankle. He was shut down last year with a quad. 
And if he's gone this far and look, you know, any player worth the salt, you're smelling that 1000 yard season as a skill player. You want it. We'll get to a couple more here with Pete Smith, Jeff Lloyd on lockdown Browns Twitter Tuesday, the original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amount of both sink and bounce. Get $100 off, $100 towards, I'm sorry, your uh, mattress purchase by going to casper.com, locked NFL, all caps, and using locked NFL, all caps, no space, at checkout. Um, Terms and conditions may apply. Um, Don't do this while you're driving. Go to locked on podcasts slash offers. Check it out, Um, and you can see everything from all our wonderful, wonderful sponsors. Let's help you all save some money. Pete from David Rose. And now this is actually pretty much a, this is a pretty good one here. Is Baker, is part of it maybe that Baker did better with less? Is this maybe now with between Jarvis and Odell, Baker essentially isn't Baker? Oh, so we talked about this a lot last year. The idea that maybe Baker didn't really need a number one, uh, that he just needed to sort of throw the ball around to whoever's open and, and make plays. Um, Brady-ish. I, I Tom Brady-ish. Yeah, I don't know that I necessarily see it's a problem. Um, what I, you know, the, the, the situation with Odell Beckham and his sports journey has obviously put sort of a, a, a big hitch in all this. Um, I think Baker has made his problem larger in this sense and that he's feeding into this um, with his own choices and it's not play calling, it's not anything else, but he is doing some of this. I think the overall answer is I think the Browns, especially in the passing game, have gotten out of the, 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 the notion of process over product. Um, I think so much of this year they've been chasing product and not trusting, you know, trusting the process and not in terms of, you know, tanking for the 76ers players, but in terms of (laughs) this is what you're supposed to do on this play. This is what the offense is supposed to do in general. What, what is supposed to happen, you know, and I don't think, they are doing that in a lot of areas. And I think Baker Mayfield is the most notable one. But I think they, they so much of this year is just chasing the end product rather than, you know, falling in love with the, the process of how you get there and what those things do. And I think that is a big difference between this year and last year is, you know, it didn't matter because it was just process. Who was going to be open on a given play? And, 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 and some of this, is where it's hard to blame Freddie Kitchens, on, uh, at least on this part of it, in the fact that, you know, in, in the, the eight games where he was that interim offensive coordinator, there were all kinds of different guys who would make plays on a given day or be the featured guy. You know, it was Rashard Higgins on one day. It was Rashad Perryman on one day. It was Jarvis Landry uh, uh, on one day. It was, you know. Antonio Callaway. Joku on, on, on a different day. And then this year, you, you know, you you haven't had that. Like, there have been games where, like, Nick Chubb was, you know, basically your best receiver in terms of just overall productivity, and Kareem Hunt was a nice, you know, a nice little addition. But, like, 
other than one game with Kadero Hodge where he made a couple of nice plays and you have like, you know, Ricky Seals Jones doing, doing, you know, having, having a little bit of a game and, 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 and Steven Nelson having Baltimore, Seattle, et cetera. You haven't had a game where it's not trying like hell to be either uh, Odell or, or Jarvis. And I think that's a failure of that notion. I, I think it's, trying to go the wrong way through this. And I think that's going to be one of the big focuses for this off season with this, when they get a chance to sort of review everything and, and, and whether that, whatever coaching staff that is, I, I mean, that's from a player standpoint where it's going to be, you know, so much of this is Baker Mayfield's going to be sitting there going, what the hell was I doing? Uh, you know, this notion of, I just know better than this. And uh, that is, it's an interesting topic uh, you know, look, I, I've made the case that, look, if you if you make the, you know, the choice of your John Dorsey that you're going to trade Odell Beckham, I don't think you will do this. But it, let's say he's thinking in those terms. I, I've said, and I stand by the notion, you might as well trade your other Landry, and you might as well send Dorsey out with them. Because at that point, you're basically saying, we are not starting over, but you're definitely tearing down to get back up. And, you know, at that point, I don't know what Dorsey's function is at that point. His tenure is essentially destroyed. I mean, those are the, the two, two of the biggest moves you've had. But if you're trying to structure, structure this more about Baker as opposed to weapons, um, then, you know, what do you, you know, then, then, then build it with weapons around him rather than trying to incorporate, you know, proven commodities or what, however you want to, probably want to describe him and get uh, guys to sort of build with him. And, and you saw a little bit of that with what we thought was Richard Higgins last year. And you saw that with a little bit of Antonio Callaway last year. And now we're sitting here going, well, there's not much. I mean, David Njoku is another one you were hoping I have. And now it, it feels like we're back to square one. And if you're saying we're back to square one, go ahead and, 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 and you want to get out of Landry or, uh, Beckham in this case specifically, then I, I would say get rid of both of them and and start with a, a younger core because I, I, I don't – if you were to get rid of Beckham, I, I just don't see how it's productive to keep Landry. And that's not because Landry's a bad guy. It's just I don't think you're ever going to fully get out of that group. I think it's always going to carry over, and I think you're going to have to sort of make a clean break and sort of move on. And that doesn't make Landry a bad player, a bad person, or a bad leader, or anything else. It's just there, there comes a point where I think you sort of, if you're going to move on, you have to move on, and you can't half measure it. You have to go all the way. For me, you've got to run that wide receiving core back. Because with the other needs you have, and look, maybe it's just for a year. But look, and part of this is, and this is, again, John, you know, and not trying to bury John Dorsey here because there have been good moves. Um, the gamble on Antonio Callaway. Now we're talking about 2020. This would have been his third year. This is where you're talking about Antonio Callaway should be a starter. Rashard Higgins, the entire situation, whether it's coaching, whether it's front office, if he was going to be it, 2020, get some more money. You, move, you just can't do it now. The holes are, there's a lot more holes and you just can't. So you're, you're stuck again to 2020 of Baker, 
Odell Jarvis, yes, some new pieces will be added. Figuring out, look, David Njoku is probably not going to be here. That's okay, whatever. I mean, you know, it's not that I'm happy with it, but it's just to the point now where you're aggravated and you kind of see the writing on the wall. So it's going to have to go between those two. Yeah, you have Nick. Um, maybe you get the better improved play on the O-line. You get Odell, and maybe you get more out of these guys in the offseason, OTAs whatsoever, or these guys all find a way to make it work. But it's you can't tear down the skill now because it's not like you have a third-year wide receiver. It's not like you have a short Higgins. To this point, it, it, it's become – the amount of skill you had has become a mess because it's not as deep as it was. Every tight end is essentially the same. I, I mean, can we get one guy in here who can actually stick and block? It, it, it's, it's frustration, and that's kind of where we're all at. That's where your fans are at. That's where I'm at. Pete, we ain't got much time left. Um, PFF-wise, Pete, Russell Wilson's the MVP this year. Lamar Jackson isn't. What do you think? I think you can make a compelling argument for either one, but I'm going to take Lamar Jackson based on um, the idea that if you like, if he were to get injured, I don't think the Ravens can function. Uh, I think the Seahawks, you'd at least Russell Wilson is certainly the the offense and certainly the main thing. But I, I think if he were to get injured, run the off. The offense and it would at least look a semblance of like what they do and they still have Tyler Lockett they still have uh DK Metcalf and some of those players whereas if it's let's say RG3 has to go in where's the ball going I mean Mark Ingram is fine he's a nice little player um, but when everybody in the stadium knows Mark Ingram's getting the ball that's where it kind of becomes an issue yeah so it just to me Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the league I just think he does too much yeah, he and he. You know, you can't if you you can't just like spy him. You have multiple defenders that are thinking about him on every play. And that's what makes some of these other things happen. And whether it's RG three or somebody else, that's no longer the case. I mean, Russell Wilson is certainly somebody who can move the ball with his legs, and he can do certain things in terms of eluding the pass rush. And he's a phenomenal passer. But 